You're listening to Having a Chat, the show where we talk to interesting people with interesting taste in music about the music that they love. I'm Alex Spears, and this week on the show, we are chatting with Zach Gray from BC-based band The Zolas. The Zolas have been making a lot of really cool noise in the Canadian rock and roll scene for the last several years. They're gearing up to release a new album and have been putting out a bunch of really cool singles to promote it, so we're very excited to have Zach from The Zolas with us to chat about some music. This is Having a Chat. Zach, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure, man. I'm such a fan of the show. Well, that's kind of crazy to me because, like, I, I don't. It's funny whenever that happens, like when people. Why? Well, I don't know. Like, I, <laughs> like this was this was a college radio show turned pandemic pet project, and so and it's just kind of taken on a life of its own. So it always it always brings me a great deal of joy when I hear shit like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So before we sort of go into um, this song, uh, we're going to we're going to start off with I feel the transition um, and I have a specific okay. reason why I picked it. But um, you, you and I were, were messaging back and forth about your feelings on Britpop and you seem to have had like a bit of a kind <laughs> of like change of heart, like throughout our messages back and forth so i I, and I, I would just love to you know it's perhaps a contentious opinion but i would love to have you uh expand on it well i think it just i know i know that you like brit pop and you like that era of music and i do too um and so it seemed quicker just to message like hey i want to let's 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 talk about brit pop but then when it came time to choosing songs that were brit pop I actually, I just remembered that I, I that like ninety nine percent of Britpop really sucks. <laughs> and there's so many. There's there's like the big bands. There's like Oasis and Blur and The Verve, and then the rest of them are just like songs and and I guess like aesthetic. And um, yeah, and I don't even like most Oasis songs. Like I li- I like I don't know like ten Oasis songs like a lot. And I like right. four Blur songs. I like, but the, it turns out that like that moment in time, it kind of it kind of metamorphosized into all these other types of music that I like way more. Like I I way prefer Gorillas to Blur it, overall, overall. And like totally. I prefer I prefer the way that like the the songs of Britpop because one thing that that Britpop was good for is that people were trying to write songs. Um, with like catchy melodies and with sort of strong structures and they all loved the right. Beatles. So they wanted to write like Beatlesy kind of songs. Um, right. And that thing kind of persisted into a genre to other genres that have, are like a little cooler to me aesthetically. So like, um, right. like it mixed with, with hip hop to become like trip hop and, and what we now associate with like, I guess, I don't even know the timeline. I, I don't remember where Portishead fits in time-wise to compared to Oasis, do you remember? Right. No, no, not at the top of my head. But anyway, um, it, I'm I'm just a huge fan of like all the stuff that was going on in the UK in 
from around like 94 to 2003, I guess. <laughs> That's what I'm right. a fan of. Well, and and the gorillas are such an interesting example because like Damon Albarn really, I think, made a point of like showing what his influences were. Now, like I, I wouldn't necessarily consider like, you know, New Order and Joy Division and the Happy Mondays to be Britpop, but they certainly like were the were the precursor to totally. that era and like their their involvement, like literally in terms of just like featured performances and things like that in the gorillas are like so notable. Totally. And it's just it's amazing just how you can like literally see that progression in totally. real time. Totally. And and a lot of those bands had relationships like in between generations. Like um there's a lot of Johnny Marr stories um that like the Gallagher brothers tell because he's just totally. And like Paul Weller. And Paul too. Weller, yeah, exactly. So I just I like the fact that there's I just I love all those all those eras and they are not the same era, you're right. But um but I kinda like treating them like the same era in a way. I I like Right, right. Because otherwise uh, otherwise I mean if you're just talking about Brit Pop, there's just so many it was such a fad that there were so many um one hit wonders and like almost like boy bands that were trying to capitalize off of the Britpop something and it didn't even sound there's no sound like it doesn't all the bands sound different yeah no exactly that's that's the weirdest thing with categorizing it is that there, there isn't actually that much sonic similarity no so it's it's a really confusing genre to talk about and and profess your love for because a there's like not that much to love and b i don't even know what it is <laughs> but right. but that said like it, it still feels like the best word to use for what i'm up to and what i'm interested in right now yeah yeah i hear you and and it is like you know i i, I kind of use it in the same way where like certainly i would consider the smiths to be a brit pop band sure. i would consider the happy mondays to be a brit pop band even though like technically they don't fit that description but the description's so vague anyway <laughs> yeah. so like fucking yeah. you know who cares like yeah. it doesn't really it's also cool to just listen to music the way that like um i remember hearing uh about the way that after the cultural revolution in China, um, suddenly young Chinese uh, kids were getting like the entire 20th century worth of music um, in one go. Right. Holy and God. so, and they had no lineage to go by. So they didn't really know that the Beatles were necessarily older than Oasis was, for example, um, right. or, or who influenced who. And it all just sort of, hit at the same time and i kind of like listening to music that way yeah. like listening to i don't know like uh yeah like listening to nirvana as being like yeah nirvana's just like heavy beatles right. they're like the beat they, they could have been the beatles but if they had just gotten really heavy later on yeah and david bowie is like a little bit like the beatles too but uh but if they got he, they got into like outer space or something i don't know yeah. Um, and yeah. and not being like such a such an academic about it. Yeah. No, I hear you. Well, and so on on the, on the topic of influences, then um, the reason why I picked I feel the okay. transition is because it sounds a lot like Columbia, which is another <laughs> one of the songs that you yeah. picked. Um, is that you know, and and it's so funny because like I I have so many friends who will just like shamelessly rip off Oasis songs. Is that where? But then there's also obviously instances where perhaps it's not so deliberate. Mm. Like where does this is this like completely an accident or was there some intent behind it sounding a lot like no 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 it's a hundred percent on purpose uh the first <laughs> the first like voice memo of the song was ecuador 
uh, just because I was in a country bordering Colombia. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the the riff was just like I like this riff, and it kind of reminds me of Colombia. Um, and with I feel the transition is a good example of yeah. What I love about Colombia, and you don't actually hear it that much in other Oasis songs. They almost never did it again. Pretty much set up in like almost an electronic music kind of way. Like the chords never change. Yeah. It's just a series of melodies over um, the same chords and the vibe doesn't change that much. It's just it. And so you could easily remix a song into something that felt really consistent with something you would hear at a club or some, or totally. at least, at least something in the kind of industrial sort of genre or, or dance genre. And like, I just love the sort of psychedelic nature of, repeating patterns like that and oasis is not very they don't do that very often but no, in this song they do and i love that and so the same for our song i feel the transition i wanted to do that as much as possible but then i also wanted the chorus to i wanted some sort of like a soaring chorus which um oasis does do well honestly like we're just straight up trying to rip off columbia the chorus of supersonic step on by uh by happy mondays Happy Monday? Yeah. Maybe that's all I can think of right now. But yeah, no, that, that, that's just sort of how I operate. Like, I fall in love with certain things about certain songs and then just try to rip them off as much as possible. And by the time they're combined, and the, the truth is I don't have the skill to actually rip them off in an illegal way. I, I can just get close enough that it ends up with something better. <laughs> or not, not, or not, I wouldn't say better, but it ends up with something better than if I had actually ripped it off. I feel uh, so I'm friends with these guys in this band called fadeaways and yeah, yeah. they, and they like they, so they have this song called as they do, which is a ripoff of um, two sort of lesser known Oasis songs, Hindu times and head shrinker. Mm-hmm. But what I would always joke about with them is like Oasis can't fault you for ripping them <laughs> off because like half of their songs were ripped off from other people. Like, like to the point where like Noel would have to Noel had to give like Stevie Wonder a writing credit on on a song because it was just a blatant ripoff. There was the whole Coca Cola thing. Yeah. Like it's crazy. Oh man, I I wouldn't I would encourage everybody to rip off their their heroes as much as possible. I don't think that anything, especially unless you only have one hero, and then it will get really obvious. But <laughs> as long as you're ripping off like a, a bouquet of heroes, it's gonna end up being yeah, and so I think they should yeah. they should just try ripping off one of the one of Oasis's successful songs. <laughs> <laughs> well, so and then on on that topic, like, what are um, what are some bands that you think do focus too much on one without you know without talking too much shit about other bands? Like, what are some bands that you think focus their 
Oh man. They're sort of ripping off too much on one band. I, I should have a really good answer to this. I, but I, it's, there are some bands. I don't think that, you know, them. it's just, sometimes you'll share a bill with a band. Um, and, and you'll try to, you'll try to describe them. And like, you can really just describe them as like, Oh yeah. They're like, they're the killers meets. No, they're just the killers. That's just the word, uh, the killers, but worse. Um, there's a lot yeah. of bands like that. I, oh, uh, sure. Okay. Well, but I don't know if this is good. This is necessarily that bad, but, um, someone showed me the album electric mud by muddy waters. Not that long ago. I don't know if you've heard okay. that. And, and I was, it's a, a muddy waters album from the seventies, I think. And in almost every single way, it sounds like what we think of as the black keys and, and <laughs> sonically, <laughs> melodically, yeah. every single, it, it's like the black, that one, whatever album, I'm thinking of maybe brother. I don't listen to the Black Keys that much. But yeah, like what? What in like the cultural kind of ether is the Black Keys? Yeah, they listen to Electric Mud and were like, no one, no, no one's doing this right now. Let's let's try. And right. then they they just straight up copied everything. And then, and uh, and uh, now they play in stadiums, which Muddy never did. Poor guy. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Yeah. It's sort of, it's sort of like the, the kind of the the Elvis thing, you know, the Elvis and Eminem thing. Like the yeah, the white guy has always been able to get more famous than the people that he was ripping off. <laughs> spoke about uh sort of electronic music and we're gonna get into the underworld mm. um born slippy off the train spotting soundtrack if i'm not oh, mistaken yeah. um what do you uh what do you like about uh this is the second time that the underworld have been played on the show but what do you what do you like about uh this band and, and <laughs> maybe uh does the does the fact that it's on the train spotting soundtrack uh mean anything to you well that's how i first heard it yeah it's like being in love with that that album i listened to that album before i was allowed to watch the movie there's something about that song it's so hard-hitting and yet it's it's so delicate and the vocals are the vocals the vocals do this thing that i actually you don't really hear that much in any other thing even though i think of them as being fucking iconic vocals which is just like one note spitting lyrics he's basically rapping in a way you, you might you might say or you, if he wasn't singing the note it would be it would be rapping and i just uh 
it's it's such a psychedelic song and it just feels like like taking uppers i like the offshoots of Britpop that followed like the upper party drug kind of world that comes to that <laughs> and then also the ones that turned into downers and were and weren't just about drinking lagers which is pretty much what what uh Britpop was about right so like as soon as Britpop got druggy then i got into it yeah yeah well like man like i um like i love groups like the underworld and like the chemical brothers it, it's oh certainly God. like but it's interesting for me because like if you had played it for me like let's say five six years ago before i got into Britpop, i would have been like whatever like this is like electronic music i'm too cool for okay. that like but it was but oasis and like all those bands had to almost be the gateway for me in a way to like realize that it was cool. Totally. And like, that's just such a crazy thing. Like it just kind of makes me wonder like what else I'm missing on by just like you know, my own perception of what is and isn't cool. Well, yeah. I mean, joy division had to be the gateway for me to, to get into a lot of uh, early house music because through joy division, yeah. Same. I, you know, you kind of get into a little bit of new order or as far as, as you'll, as you want to. And then all the, all that whole scene was, was, uh, was Joy Division adjacent. It's just, they just took the punk out of it. Yeah. And yeah, no, I felt, I feel the same way actually. Like I, I, it does weirdly feel like Chemical Brothers and Underworld and Fat Boy Slim even are almost like logical extensions of, um, what Oasis and Blur were doing, and I really don't think that they could yeah. have done any more with what they were doing because, um, because they needed to put bring some technology into it, and and all the loop based music. Like I adore loop based music, and so when that's one thing that's so great about the um, about Bittersweet Symphony, which is another song. I don't know if we'll be listening to it, but um, it was one of the songs that I mentioned to you. Right, was it's pretty much just like. Uh, drum loop like i'm sure i'm sure they recorded uh, it sounds like they recorded a, a real drum take throughout the whole thing but but it could have easily have just been a drum loop the whole time and it's not about that it, and then I, I just um i'm obsessed with the way that people cut up that music and turn it into electronic music but yeah um underworld is just so cool they're such a they have they've been around forever and they've been cool almost the entire time i think they've like yeah. Their first album, I don't know if you went back, but like their first album is in the mid eighties or something. And it's, I wouldn't, I didn't like that that much. And it was totally different. It wasn't electronic, but then, um, but they've just been doing rad stuff forever and it always changes. And, um, and it, it's a, it's a, a beautiful thing. They had a recent album that came out where Iggy Pop sang on a song and I don't know what the album was. Oh, damn. It's really good. It's really good. It's weird and good. Yeah. And it's just cool. Like it, it's it's always inspiring to meet people who who kept having good taste even as they aged. Because we're we're we like to be told or we're often told that like, nah, you're just gonna lose it. You're just not gonna be interested in new music. Yeah. You're not gonna be interested in in new things or pushing the envelope anymore and your taste is gonna just sort of calcify and those guys that didn't happen and I, I really love that. It's, it's hope for us all.
Um, all right, number one crush by Garbage. The, I always love when we get a tune on the show that I've never heard before. Um, because it basically, yeah, it asks me, it, it gives me an opportunity to basically like frame the question like this. Like, given the fact that I've not heard it before, if you and I were just like hanging out and you were trying to convince me to check out this song, what's your like, what's your elevator pitch for this song? It's the best Garbage song of all time. And, uh, it wasn't even on an, a garbage album. It's a little bit like it's it's the garbage version of Talk Show Host by Radiohead. They both appeared on the same on the same soundtrack. It was the Romeo and Juliet soundtrack, which is yeah okay. I'll I'll say like next to Train Spotting and maybe like Reservoir Dog or Pulp Fiction. I feel like those are. I think Romeo and Juliet is the third um, of the holy trinity of '90s movie soundtracks. Um, Damn. And you can discover so much good music by listening to that that thing, and so much kind of bad music too. There's a lot of one-hit wonders on that one. But um, <laughs> but what I love about this is it's it's, it's a, a trip hop song, no question. And and garbage wasn't known for trip hop or anything. They were kind of more um, just sort of straight ahead rock, uh, mid-tempo rock band, I guess. Um, and this one to me is just so I just really love cinematic music. And this is a kind of, this is a song that, um, that just sounds like a, a walking scene in a, in a movie or a thinking scene in a movie. Um, and it's just a it's, it's a good example of, um, of a really good song that you could sing around a campfire with just a guitar, but it's produced in a way that, um, that's actually really, bizarre and dark and there's guitars in there but it's mostly loops and and strange samples and the vocal vocal performance is insane so yeah that's that's another if you haven't listened to the romeo and juliet soundtrack that's i'm gonna do it immediately after this it's been a major influence on on us for sure especially with this album Next up is so we're not we're not going to do bittersweet symphonies um, okay. just because I wanted to explore the tune that I was less familiar with. Good. Um, the so we're going to do lonely soul. Yeah. Um, and how do I? Is this just uncle? Like, is it just pronounced uncle? It's one of these yeah. bands that I've only ever seen written out, so I've I've not actually. Yeah, it's just uncle. It. Okay, cool. But featuring Richard Ashcroft. Yes. Um, and uh, I guess like you know, in listening to your music the influence of the verve is pretty apparent to me. Yeah. I um, so I guess like what, uh, what, what, what got you into um, the verve and uh, was it really, was it just like as part of that larger Britpop thing and, and, and why, why this song? Like, I mean, you know, the, the verve have such a extensive body of work. 
Mm-hmm. Um, like, why this song? Uh, I got into The Verb as a, as a little kid. They had a, a music video where Richard Ashcroft, with, like, really cool hair, walks through down a street and doesn't get out of the way of anybody. And he just bumps into people and walks over cars and and makes eye contact with the uh, the camera. And that's the whole concept. And um, And for some reason, that really spoke to me. <laughs> the video and the song is just unbelievable it's it's uh it's an it's their best song it's their most successful song and it's their best song by far and um i don't know how to put it it it, it takes its time it doesn't it's really unangsty it's in contrast mm-hmm. to a lot of music from that era where angst was like the major thing but this one is is really peaceful and um and the lyrics are so universal and that he does this thing, which we all attempt to do, which is describe something that we, that everybody has felt in a way that they've never heard before. And, and when you hear someone talk about the, well, it's a bittersweet symphony, this life. Um, and it's just really universal lyrics and the, that's tough to do sometimes. So yeah. I've, I've, I've just always loved that song. I always thought that it just works in almost any, any any sort of situation where you're putting you you have the aux cable and you're going to put on yeah. music the bittersweet symphony is usually not a bad one to do especially like yeah. sun as far as sunset music i mean oh my god yeah <laughs> so yeah um i love sunset music i try to write lots of sunset music and this is the ultimate sunset song so yeah so yeah i'm that that's that's what i love about the verb and bittersweet symphony but the reason I picked Lonely Soul is because it's a more of it's a cooler cross section of what we're talking about. So Uncle was the solo project kind of or, or side project of this a guy named Jamie. I for some reason I can't remember his name right now. Jamie. Anyway, his name's Jamie. Uh, <laughs> and he ran a, a label called Moax Records. And okay. Moax Records released all of DJ Shadow's early stuff, and that's another another side of this sort of Britpop adjacent um, genre, which is the um, I don't know what would you call it. I guess it's called sam just purely sample based hip hop, and that's what um, DJ Shadow is famous for. Um, Uncle was a project between Jamie and um, DJ Shadow, and I think DJ Shadow did a lot of heavy lifting on this album on that album. Um, it, the album's called Science Fiction, and it's so good. It has it has guests um, from lots of notable and unknown um, groups of the time. And in this one, uh, it's it's Richard Ashcroft just sort of belting it out like he does. But what I love yeah. about this song is is it's um, it's incredibly it's very symphonic. It's one of the best uses of strings in an, any song that I know, and much like Bittersweet Symphony. Um, but in this case, it's underneath um, purely just cut up samples of drums, and I and and the the mixing of these really cinematic. There's this this uh, nicely resolved strings chords over the the breakbeat. It's like it's just breakbeat music has always blown my mind, and this is this is the link between breakbeat breakbeat music and uh, and Britpop and. Uh, I don't know, I just, I like it. I like it a lot.
Um, so, and then perhaps bringing this, like, this kind of arc that we've been on to its logical conclusion, um, we find ourselves arriving at Doorman by Slow Tie. Yeah. Um, we've, we've spoken about it on the show a couple times before. Once was with a member of provincial parliament. Like, in the very early days of the show, we had political guests on, yeah. um, but only talking about music. And he, like, he compared it to Disorder by Joy Division. And yeah. it kind of blew my mind when he said that. Oh, shit. And like that, like, you know, of all people coming from a member of provincial parliament, you know what I mean? It's kind of like you wouldn't have thought that like the take that blows your mind on slow tie mm-hmm. would come from would come from, you know, a politician. But what is it? What is it that you like about uh, about slow tie and, and this song in particular? What I love about this song and and especially I, I love a lot of all of slow tide stuff actually but this song in with the song he arrives at a similar place to um where i always wanted to go but has but comes at it from the other direction he's coming up from like the other side of the globe so he is coming from out of a more like grime and trap world and he is turned it into a more organic thing and more more distorted and and guitar-y, although there isn't a ton of there are no guitars bass in that song but like um he he's become in a, some ways like the heir apparent of the, what the Gallagher brothers would be today i think um when yeah. they were when they were scary uh, there was a time when the Gallagher brothers seemed scary and i wasn't around for that really but but I have read about it and they were, they were legitimately scary. They would get in fights on boats and have the boats have to turn around. They, um, (laughs) they didn't give a shit about anybody. They, they said the exact wrong thing at all times. And that's sort of the spirit that slow tie tends to embody. For me, the song that the music that it reminds me of more than anything is the extremely late Brit pop masterpiece silent alarm by uh, block party. Um, it it right, sounds okay. a lot like uh, a block party song, like a lot. Um, even vocally, he sounds quite a bit like Kelly from Block Party, right? But a lot better in some ways. <laughs> but the drums, the drums remind me of it a lot. It's got the really, really similar feels to um, what the drummer from Block Party um, was into. And Block Party was a drums band. Like the drums are by far the loudest thing oh. in, in every mix. And because they had this generational drum talent playing in that band. And I think at some point someone realized like, we better just make this about him. <laughs> and that's what this, that's what, that's what the, that doorman by slow tie is like. It's just all about the drums and it's very simple. And you're right. It has that, has a bass light line, just like disorder, which I was one of, it's maybe my favorite Joy Division song. Thank you for reminding me. And yeah, man, uh, slow tie is is just he's the he's the guy to watch. I, I I hope more more shit like that comes out because because we don't have like the streets anymore, I guess, or I, maybe we do, but I don't. But it's not good anymore. But um, and slow tie sort of feels that that um, everyday stories of life in in his part of Britain kind of way, and I really love that. And it's crazy how, like, he was going to be the opening act on Liam Gallagher's tour. He was? Like, yeah. There was, like, oh. and then he got scooped up by Brock Hampton, um, who took him to the U.S. Oh. But, um, but he was, he was like, there was, like, a two-month period where he was going to be the opening act on Liam Gallagher's tour uh, in the U.K., 
which would have been nuts honestly like that would have been the craziest like it would have been nuts (laughs) for me and for you but i feel like i don't give the average like modern oasis fan a lot of credit i feel like they they wouldn't yeah there was a lot of hate in the fan facebook groups there was like a lot of hate yeah (laughs) which is a bummer you know yeah oasis was embraced as like a very very british sort of point of pride and anytime that you get proud about anytime something is associated too much with nationalism it gets kind of creepy and i oasis has never been like that but i think a lot of their fans could be yeah certainly and but i think he made the right choice because he'll he can if he becomes massive in the states then the uk will always embrace him yeah not the other way around yeah Um, all right, so we're gonna we're gonna wrap up with Young DiCaprio, and like I got it, like I I've loved like the visuals that y'all have been putting out <laughs> surrounding this. Like I just think it's so cool. So no, I'm I mean Young DiCaprio is really just like, especially with the songs that are the more upbeat, kind of catchier, more radio type of songs. I really just want to make make people feel and make myself feel when I listen to it the way that. Um, that those songs that I'm imitating makes made me feel. And sometimes yeah. the song actually doesn't sound like that. It just feels like it. Yeah. You know, and, and that, it, it takes, it takes a bit of a love for the song to be able to feel that, but, but you can rip off a song without using any of their, any of the notes or any of the tones or anything. You can just somehow make it like I, to me, this Real DiCaprio feels a little bit like a Smith song. But it actually doesn't sound anything like a Smith song, but it yeah. makes me feel like a, a, a Smith song sometimes. So and that can be so unique to the listener, right? Like, just, yeah, it, d- depending on and that's kind of the beautiful thing within that, right? Like, yeah, that it can be can kind of transport you to, to just be, because, again, going back to what we talked about earlier, like the, the, the there's so many subtle sort of nods to your influences, it feels like in this tune in particular that it's like. Sure. It, it, you can transport anybody to to any time in their life that you know any of those influences were meaningful. Yeah, I just remember listening to. I mean, this song's called "Young DiCaprio." It's it's like very much feeds into the the Romeo and Juliet soundtrack uh, obsession that we had recently. And um, I just remember listening to that soundtrack and certain songs off that soundtrack while um, driving in a in a car with a bunch of friends and and hanging out the window and and just feeling more alive than than I ever had before and to be able to to even attempt to make music that would make you feel like that again and make other people feel like that is it's the coolest job you could ask for so so with this song the the chorus sounds a lot like um 
this newer song called 1950 by King Princess. Um, do you know? Okay. I don't know the song, but I know King Princess. I love that song, and I love that that chorus, and um, this song feel that this chorus feels like that, and yeah, that's 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 the goal, man. Is just make myself feel the way that some of this music makes me feel. Sometimes it's fun to just like listen to the track and then think about uh, little anecdotes about a specific part of the recording, a specific idea, but I can't think of anything else, man. It was just. Um, I think that this is just one of those songs that turned out extremely well and the video turned out well too. The video is funny. Um, that gets premiered tonight when we were, uh, as we're recording this, but, but it'll, it'll be out when people hear this. And it came out of an idea that I had when I was like, I think a teenager. I remember if you noticed that, um, that tow trucks, when they, when their lift part is folded up, it just looks like a massive crucifix just driving around behind. Yeah, oh God, yeah. And I remember thinking that it would be really cool to, to be tied to the back of that tow truck as it drives around the city. Right. And I never really had the, the juice to make it happen until now. So, um, so that's what this video features in large part. All right, so uh, to wrap up, you know the the way the show goes, I'm going to give you a, a chance to plug. We already talked about the video a little bit, but uh, what uh, what can people expect to hear from you in the in the coming weeks and uh, in, in the foreseeable future? In July, I think the date is the 16th, but I don't remember. Uh, we have an album that comes out called "Come Back to Life," and it's got um, all the music that's come out this year. And then a bunch more. And like I was saying to you before, like with this album, I really wanted to m make an album that made me feel the way the Romeo and Juliet and Trainspotting soundtracks made me feel, um, which is like painfully in love and um, energetic to the point of uh, of needing to show it and needing to do something about it. Yeah. Um, and and so that's what we did with this record and uh, the song sounds really fucking different there's it's it <laughs> that's another way it's kind of like rip hop is like all the songs are really different yeah and you will hear songs that sound like bittersweet symphony and you will hear songs that sound like slow tie and you will hear songs that sound like i don't even know there's like a death disco song in this in the in the album <laughs> as well but to me like that that that's a reflection of 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 all the stuff that i love and and right. the way that I consume music right now is is very like I fall in love with one song and then I I don't let it go for a while for quite a while. So yeah. I think people will have a uh, people will have a lot to listen to with this record and they'll there'll be a, many eras for everybody where they oh this you, you know when you get into an album and you you heard the sample the the single and you kind of like that but then slowly over time by the end of it like the eighth song that you got into is near is now your favorite because you've you right, right, right. and i think that it's that kind of album cool man love it yeah but i i love this show and i love listening to to all what you bring to it because there is 
the kind of music that you love and the kind of music that I love is it's extremely niche. Right. Yeah. <laughs> One way to look at it is to be bummed about that because there was a time where it wasn't niche. But to me, like uh, the other way to look at it, which is how I look at it, is just like it's fucking awesome to be suddenly like I get to be a weirdo uh, in a in a world of of uh, just outside of the mainstream, I guess. Yeah. And I, when I go to concerts where people uh, like if I went to like a fadeaways concert, for example, yeah, the people there would be would be weirdos like me. Yeah, yeah. And I I like that. I like I like being part of a scene. And if you are if your your genre is um is too popular, then you you that doesn't happen. Yeah, you lose that community. Yeah, there's no Drake scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Much as I love his music, his money, I, I and I love his music. But there's no Drake scene. You don't like kids don't get into Drake in order to be rebellious. Everybody loves Drake. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thanks for coming on. My pleasure, man. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks so much to Zach for joining us on the show this week. As always, you can find full versions of this show wherever you get your podcasts. Just look up Having a Chat. The show is produced by myself, Alex Anderson, and Hillary Johnston, and our cover art and social media design is done by Pedro Walker, so don't forget to check us out on social media. And if you have the time, please feel free to drop us a rating, like, review on your platform of choice. It really helps us out. Otherwise, thanks very much for listening, and we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Bye.